0: Welcome to another episode of From Concept to Company. On this show, we dive in deep with current and aspiring entrepreneurs to learn about their pain points, things they wished they knew before they started, and their successes to date. This week we're excited to have Kylie Rowe, CEO of Kylie Rowe Co. and founder of CX Labs, the leadership lab for future CXOs. Kylie is a specialist in corporate leadership development and an award-winning executive of the year herself. She helps rising star executives and executive teams build leadership skills and elevate overall workplace and personal well-being. I am so honored to have you here today on our podcast. I don't even have words right now. Um, Being able to connect with you and the value that I know that you're going to be able to bring our listeners today. Oh my gosh! I am so excited to be here, and I've been
1: following all the stuff that you're doing. You are a creator. You are a company creator as well. So this is just going to be fun. We're gonna we're gonna have fun sharing our stories in um, company creation and other sort of um, content creation aspects as well. Because here you are with a,
0: pod- a whole podcast. Oh. you. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to dive in with other entrepreneurs, especially other female entrepreneurs, um, to lift each other up and to really get into the honest truth and nitty-gritty of the good, the bad, and the ugly, really, even with, with a business ownership. And I think that with COVID, especially, so many people want all the information that they can get so they can learn um, and grow. And I'm so excited to have you on today. So hey. people can learn and grow from you. I am super transparent. I mean, if if there's anyone
1: that is listening that already follows me on social media, or maybe you follow me after this, you're going to see that I'm a person that is really open to a degree, both in my personal and my professional life. And I think that it's important to Be real and be human because what people are lacking right now, especially during COVID is, is genuine, authentic, meaningful connection. And we really get that when someone's willing to take the first step of being vulnerable first. And so I am all about sharing things I've learned where I've, where I've really had to pivot because that wasn't a good idea. And ultimately kind of how it's evolved to where it
0: is today. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite things to dive in um, really deep with all of our podcast guests is how did you get here? Like, give us a little background for people that aren't familiar with you and they don't know your story. Where did you start and how did you end up doing what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. And um, so just starting off, um, to be clear, I run a company and we offer leadership development, training, coaching all about that skill development of individuals and also within entire organizations. And um, how I ended up getting into this space sort of started a really long time ago. And I'm just going to go super deep. From, yes. When I was growing up, I lived with bulimia. I had an eating disorder for 10 years and I almost died. I was very sick. And um, moving into recovery, it's now been for me 14 years that I identify as someone who That's been living in recovery and I am now a mental health advocate. But during that journey of moving into recovery, I had to learn the coping skills to be able to manage, name, um, talk about my emotions. And these are things that that because we get bothered all day long, whether we're at work or at home. And if we don't learn how to cope with things in a healthy way we start to use maladaptive coping behaviors that ultimately for some people can be incredibly debilitating to the point of addiction, which for me happened. And so my recovery story is really the precursor to the work that I'm doing now because I fell in love with what I call personal leadership. And to me, personal leadership is a combination of personal development and leadership development because I've been an executive um, in in different companies. My career kind of Um, Went in a lot of... I've worked in a lot of different capacities, but often was hired to create something that never existed and um, really had the pleasure of working with a lot of incredible CEOs and teams. But ultimately, what I found at the end of the day was um, being healthy with myself first was so important to leading teams, to influencing change in organizations. And when I finally, um, about two and a half years ago, decided to resign from my last position of employment, I was like, you know what? I want to run my own company. I'm meant to be an entrepreneur. And I truly believe that there is no point in taking the risk of entrepreneurship if you're not actually designing the life that you want to live. Because regardless of where you're at in the business cycle, it always feels like either a low to high level of risk on an everyday basis. And if you're not designing your business strategy around truly how you want to live and what your lifestyle is going to be like, then you're kind of doing it wrong. And so um, I decided, okay, I want to follow my passion, leadership development, personal development. That's the type of company that I want to run. And it goes from there. I'm going to let you kind of ask more questions, but it took me a while to get to the vision of where I'm in today with my company. But um, that's kind of the story of how I got into um, just entrepreneurship in general, like moving from recovery to identifying that wow, personal leadership is a passion of decades, if you will, and identifying I don't want to work in a toxic culture. I wanna I wanna run my own company, and I have the power to do that and help other corporations do the same thing um, by focusing on what I love. And I feel like I'm really working in my zone of genius, of my zone of genius, which is very incredibly fulfilling and meaningful and. I think my biggest issue now in life is, like, probably being being a person that just loves working. And so I do sometimes joke, like, I'm in a relationship with my work. <laughs> um, but I love it. I
0: love what I do. Yeah, I know that feeling all too well. And I feel like so many of us um, entrepreneurs, if it's a healthy relationship with being an entrepreneur, right, then you fall in love with work and it starts to not feel like work. And you just put all of your energy into it because you're so passionate about it. And that's when you know you're on a good path versus, you know, I forgot to drink my coffee today or get up for lunch and I want to pull my hair out. And it's a very negative relationship. And so it's almost like, you know, a lot of people can relate to actual human relationships. And, um, you know, a lot of the times we get wrapped up in, oh, well, we're running my own business and I am making my own hours. So you make excuses, but really it's not a healthy path. And so that's why I love so much about what you just shared Um, (laughs) and the direction that you're going because so many people um, need help with everything that you offer. And I am a very, very big believer. We talk about it on our previous podcasts of how everything that you go through in life helps lead you up to where you're at today. And sometimes Mm -hmm. Your career leads up to the entrepreneurship. Sometimes you have to go through multiple businesses to lead to this actual passion, purpose, project. That's what you're actually meant to do. And I can't tell you how many people that we've had on that sh- share that exact same thing. Um, so I'd l- love to learn more. I know one thing that stuck out and I know that people are going to be interested in is um, you had shared that you were serving as an AmeriCorps. Lisa almost can I'll totally butcher that. But. Yes, I will. Okay. So I definitely did not talk about that. So
1: when was that? So I would say um, in 2009, it was right after I graduated from undergrad. I studied economics as an undergrad. And my first job, because at the end of 2008 was right when that financial like crisis occurred, and it was so hard to get a job. I mean, I was competing with people that were well, um, or well, well over experienced and educated compared to me. And I worked in the service industry for about eight months before I landed my sort of first job, which really ended up being, um, an AmeriCorps VISTA and the VISTA stands for volunteer in service to America, to America. It's, it's a similar program to the Peace Corps, but it served domestically. So it's a federal government program where nonprofit organizations can apply for grants to hire people to work at their nonprofit. And what they do is they pay you a poverty wage rate. So you get this experience of feeling of what it is like to actually live in poverty. And while you're doing it, um, the program that I was in, I worked for um, an outdoor environmental education nonprofit, which it was like total science-based and they hired me. I was there wellness, um I was their wellness program coordinator and I was also teaching science. I was teaching science lessons, which I had never had a science <laughs> program, but um I was teaching science and experiential learning to kids, but that that opportunity for me was really important because it taught me how to curriculum build, it taught me how to grant write, and ultimately each Vista creates their own project. And they specifically hired me because I wanted to create a wellness program. I wanted to create a multi-dimensional program for kids where they could go through and learn about all these different dimensions of wellness: educational, social, physical, emotional, and I mean, there was a, there was more than that. And I created this curriculum, implemented it into the school district where I was living, and had an amazing experience and absolutely loved it. And through that process, I was like, wow, I love volunteerism. I I love this. I became a yoga instructor and then right afterwards ended up entering into the Master of Social Work program. Because ultimately, right at that point, I was like, I want to help people on a deeper level. And I want to become a licensed clinical social worker so that I can work with individuals and families to help people move out of addiction, to help people with some of these behavioral issues that kind of get in the way of living the fullest life. and. That was that was my path. And so I studied that and worked at an acute psychiatric hospital, worked at the veterans, worked at the Veterans Affairs Hospital in the PTSD clinic and got some really amazing experience. And in that program, halfway through, I was like, I feel like this is too narrow focused for me. And my brain is a numbers brain. I studied economics, and I want to look at the big picture. And so when I got out of the social work program, I actually did what's more called macro social work. And what I specifically was doing was program evaluation. So for a few years, I was a researcher. I was um, evaluating impacts of state-funded programs, nonprofit organizations, I was in charge of running a randomized controlled trial in a community based organization that was federally funded. I was a huge nerd behind the computer analyzing data all day, creating surveys and collecting them. And I literally wanted to wanted to die. Like I was like, I hate this. I'm I need to be with I need to do something different. I, I yes, I'm good at this. And sometimes when you're good at something, it can feel confusing that I love this, you know, like I'm good at this. I love this, but really I don't love analyzing data all day. I just really don't. And so I was like, crap, like I am, I was in a marriage. I wasn't happy. I was in a job. I wasn't happy. What am I going to do? And ultimately I was like, I actually went to this free seminar on campus and I went to the university of Nevada, Reno and this guy Brett Simmons who I still am connected to to this day was giving a lecture on personal branding and I'm like I think this might be what I need I might need a personal branding and this had to have been god I don't even know like 2012 um anyway so I go to his lecture and he's like you got to get on linkedin you need 500 plus connections you need to be across all socials you need to have your bio you need this and then you create content and people and I'm like this guy, this is it this is it and he taught in the MBA program. And I was like, well, maybe I need to go back to school. So I went back for another master's degree. And that program was like, part time for me. So I, I was working full time. The first class I took was an entrepreneurship course, I only took one while I was still working being a researcher and hating my life. And I took this class by Chris Howard, who I'm still connected to today who's basically a venture capitalist type guy who was really just doing a favor to the university and students by teaching an entrepreneurship course. Halfway through it, he was like, hey, I have these friends. They want to endow $5 million to the university to open an entrepreneurship center. They want me to run it, but like, I want you to run it. So what do you say? And I was like, yes, I have it it was amazing. I mean, I think it took like eight months for it to happen because bureaucracy, university. But I ended up getting the coolest job in the world, where I actually started the startup center at the University of Nevada Reno, the Osmond Center for Entrepreneurship, and that was really cool because while I was in that role, I was still taking MBA classes. I was doing the personal branding thing. I was really involved. I've been a TEDx curator here in Northern Nevada for a long time, and um, all those all those things that I did really catapulted my career in a lot of different ways. And getting into the entrepreneurial space was how I ended up kind of getting involved with economic development. Because entrepreneurship is a huge part of community and economic development. And I sat on the board of the Economic Development Authority in the North, loved it. And then when I was finally graduated from the MBA program, four years later, we're just going to fast forward, I'm like, I love economic development. I also have been living in Reno for so long, and now I can actually move because I'm not in school anymore. And I'm like, I wanna live in London. I wanna move to New York. Like, I was coming up. I went to Vegas. Someone had me speaking at an event. I was in Vegas and I met up with my best friend who was living there at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I think I should move to London. Like, what (laughs) do I do? And she's like, have you thought about moving to Vegas? And I, it was like literally never even occurred to me, having been like a Nevada and I identify that like home is Nevada. No, I haven't thought about that. Literally two days later, I'm on LinkedIn. I see a job opening vice president of economic development at the Las Vegas global economic alliance. So it's like the economic development authority. It's the counterpart kind of of the one in the North. I sat on the board on, I sat on the board of, um, they represent all Clark County, vice president of economic development, literally pressed the apply now button and got the job. And I'm like, this is so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) There's obviously a few more steps. Um, yeah that's how I ended up in Las Vegas. And that's how you and I, I don't know how we initially connected, but Nevada is just cool like that, where when people are creators and doing stuff, they somehow get intertwined. And, um, but yeah, I had an awesome, awesome experience working at the economic development authority, totally loved the work I was doing, loved the mission of the organization. But what I found in the long run was it just wasn't the right culture fit. Like I didn't feel empowered. I didn't have a shared vision with the leader. And um, I think that those things I've, been, I've identified are so important. If you're in a position where you're directly reporting to the CEO or the the executives, you want to feel like you're part of that. And then you believe in it and that you're working together and that they're empowering you to do you, especially as someone who's kind of a natural entrepreneur. So I ultimately was like, this isn't the right fit. I'm going to resign. And when I resigned, I didn't have a plan, which is super unlike me because I'm really one of those people that is analyzing everything and has a plan has a backup plan for my backup plan you know and I just knew that I had enough financial runway to take a little bit of a break I hired my first executive coach I'd never done it before and it was amazing and really like one of the best activities she had me do because she was you know you're working on all the things like what what are you passionate about what are your dreams and aspirations and I just felt like I wanted to go to Bali and like oh. I just couldn't get it past and she was like Hey, your homework this week is to research how much the plane ticket costs. Where would you stay? What would you do? Even if you don't pull the trigger on it, just research it. And I was like, okay, literally I was in Bali a month later and I was there for like, I was in Southeast Asia for like six weeks. And all I did was like practice yoga every single day and journal. And I went to Singapore and Hong Kong and I had some friends in each of those places and it was such an incredible time to really reset and to to really dig deep on exactly how I wanted to show up as an entrepreneur. And right when I got back, I landed my first client and I've been working and my company's evolved ever since. It's been it's been so awesome and amazing. And where I was two years ago is so different from where I am now.
0: It's wild how that works, isn't it? And it's that one, that one leap of faith or that one connection that can really help push you over that boundary that will make all the world of difference. And you're headed down a totally different path than you ever were. And you never, you look back and you're like, how did I end up here? Oh yeah. Okay. That's how, but like, this still doesn't feel like reality. It's, it can be so crazy. It's so crazy. And I
1: think it's, I mean, it's one of those things. If you're someone that has, if, if you're, if you're open-minded and you kind of have a growth mindset, then you can be influenced by people or you can be mentored by anyone, you know, like I truly believe you're never too young or too old to mentor or be mentored. And actually my friend at the time, who's one of my best friends, is ten years younger than me, and he's incredibly wise and amazing. But he was like, What about Vegas? And then there <laughs> I was. And so there are so many story oh my gosh, there's so many times in my life where someone suggested something and and I and then I went for it. But I, I think the key lesson and takeaway is if you're considering if you're considering doing something, why not put the pen to paper? Yeah. Write it down. Do some research on what it would actually look like, because once you start taking action, that that's where the momentum. comes. T-
0: yeah. To that point, literally just even just writing something down and putting it out there. Even if the plan doesn't happen, like, I love that advice that was given to you about Bali, like, plan it. And even if it doesn't happen, that's okay, but at least you're in motion now.
1: Right, exactly. And and I also, I have a lot of friends that will talk to me a lot about their career. Like, they're looking for advice, they're not happy with their job, da-da-da. And it's, you know, I don't want to tell a lot of people to just resign like I did, because that's not usually <laughs> the best plan. Yeah. Like, I'm still shocked that I did that, because I didn't have a plan, but... Most people, you usually want to wait until you have another opportunity. And But what people can get a lot of alleviation from right away is just searching for other jobs, maybe even putting a resume out there. You know that you might not take it, um, but just going through that process of knowing there is other opportunity. There are other types of organizations. There's other leaders. There's people who are responding to your resume that are interested in you. And I think... All of that is kind of positive feedback and positive reinforcement, especially if you're in a work environment that's unhealthy for you.
0: Yeah. And it's hard. I know that like for me specifically, I thought from when I was a little girl and I mentioned this. So apologies for those that have listened in and heard the story before, but I know you haven't. So I'm going to share. Ever since I was a little girl, I thought that I would get into healthcare. I I had medical problems um, from when I was born, congenital defects, and um, I loved this nurse. Her name was Maureen, and I was like, you know, I want to be just like her when I grow up. And so, before I had even graduated high school, I had my first responder certification. I was a CNA. I was working in a hospital. I interned at trauma centers. Like I was on that trajectory of making healthcare my life. And so, but, but when I got into it, it was really hard and it was a very negative work environment for me, not just because of the patients and dealing with death and all of that stuff, but also because a lot, a lot of the healthcare workers were very negative and they had this bad outlook and there was a lot of like judgments going on against patients and. Um, It just wasn't a very healthy environment for me, so being the person that I am, being very analytical and calculated, I was like, okay, I don't want to give up healthcare altogether just because of this particular bad experience, so let me go try another hospital, and I went and um, got hired at um, a very prestigious hospital in Orange County, like the best hospital you're supposed to be able to work for, tried that, it wasn't working out, Um, went to work a position essentially in, in the medical field, but at a desk and hated that because I wasn't making a difference, right? Stuck behind a computer. Um, and then I tried another hospital and I was like, okay, third time's a charm. Like if I don't like this particular um, hospital, it's probably not the culture. It's probably just the environment. And um, and the other thing that I kept dealing with is I was always trying to level up while going to school. And I was like, this isn't enough. I want to do this. And I was coming in and I was like, these systems aren't right. Like, let's try to do it this way. And constantly trying to change and kind of adapt the way that um, the hospitals were even being ran. Um, so yeah, one thing led to another. And I had a friend with a marketing agency and and jumped into it because I thought that that would be something fun to do and one thing led to another and here I am um, today which is wild to look back on and I share that because I feel like so many people are like oh I went to school for this and I spent all my money on this and I can't let it go or you know maybe I'm just being too emotional about it and they like start to really pick themselves apart and um, Mm. I think that a lot of people need to hear the stories of hey like I did not ever in a million years think that I would be doing what I am today, but here I am and like I'm the happiest I've ever been and and it doesn't feel like work anymore, you know?
1: To me, what I'm hearing you say is what we do is not our identity. And people can get very attached to our external perceptions, or we can get honestly, I mean, you know, there's people who are known as High achievers. I don't know if you identify as that. I absolutely do. And it's kind of a sickness sometimes because you just keep going to the next thing. But eventually, like hitting the next goal eventually can feel empty because it's like, well, for what? Is, why does this not feel good anymore? Like, what is really missing? And um, you know, resigning from that role that felt like a really huge opportunity for me. The last position I was employed, I mentioned in Vegas it left me feeling pretty empty because I'd been attaching so much to this, these external goals and to my identity as an executive. And um, it's so important to, to become whole without um, that because wholeness includes all of these different areas of our life that ultimately feel fulfilling and truly bring us meaning. And that's part of that. That's really digging deep in part of the work that, I try to do. And actually, we have an opportunity coming up. I'm so excited about this. We have, my company does, um, every once in a while, we'll do a free workshop. And and this one we're doing, it's a three-day workshop. It starts October 25, runs through October 27. It's literally less than an hour each day, 4 p.m. Pacific. And you can find it by just literally finding my LinkedIn. You can watch it via my LinkedIn. Or if you want to join our Facebook group, it's called Personal Leadership Year, really for anybody that wants to develop themselves. And we have people from all over the world, 100 cities, 18 countries, people have joined our group. And the main thing that people really like is these live shows that we do on Tuesday. And they're really curated by the people in the group. We ask them what they want to hear about and we get speakers on there. And um, so we're doing a free workshop and it's called personal leadership planning workshop. And the goal is to go through this process that's relatively introspective that has you asking those really important questions about how do you actually define who you are? What are the all of these different components that make up the human you are? It's not just your external identity about where you work, but it's your personality, your passions, the people in your life that matter, your values, all of these different things. And then What are your real priorities? And and when you look and you talk about the concept of well being, well being is really it's the things that are so that are such a priority to you that without them you wouldn't feel fulfilled in life. So um, how are you doing in all of those areas? And then and then day two is kind of a personal branding day where, and I really like in the in the way that we do leadership development, we talk about personal branding being a competency in leadership development because in today's day and age and you know this being a marketing person if you're not online you're losing credibility and ultimately as leaders what we're trying to do is connect with others build enough trust so that we can um influence others to be better versions of themselves influence others to help develop your product service whatever it is um you know influence others to amplify a message that matters and if you're not online, or if you are online, and your brand just stinks, and it's not consistent, or you don't have a profile picture, it's some of these key things, people are going to wonder, who are you? And are you legit? And should I give you the time of day? And it's really sad, but that is just the way that that is the world in which we live. And, and so this day two is really looking at how am I perceived? How do I show up in the world? Um, What do other people say about me? What do I know that I bring to the table? What is the value I consistently deliver? And then looking maybe, maybe it's just a year or two ahead. How do I want to be perceived? How do I want to show up in the world? And there's going to be some sort of gap in between. That's the area that we start to to build goals so that, and we want to build goals that are in alignment with who we've decided we are. We want our goals to be to be triangulated around the information that we know matters to us. That's our priorities. So that when we do represent ourselves and our brands, we're showing up as this whole human that's truly authentic. And those are the people that have um, the most followers, the most support. And it's not about followers, likes, comments. The whole point of leadership is um I mean, for me, obviously I want to positively influence others, but when you're, when you're a leader, you have people that are following you literally and figuratively because they trust you. And you're genuine and authentic and they and you connect with them. And that is the best way to be able to help, help and lift others as soon as you can build that genuine connection. And that's really what leadership is all about. And then day three is, okay, everyone who's in the workshop gets to share and talk about their goals, create accountability. We get accountability buddies going on and you finish your personal leadership plan. And that's it. And it's amazing. And I've had a few people take it um, that left these awesome testimonials. On our website, you can just go to Kylie Row.com slash workshop and register in advance. It's coming up. I'm so excited for this. It's it's like everything that we're talking about right now. It's like if you're looking for a process to figure out what you want to do next and some change that you want to initiate, this is gonna get you started. I promise. I promise it will. Uh, oh, dogs, babies. Are
0: you hearing the baby? oh uh, yes.
1: I told you beforehand. I'm ultimate dog mom right now. I am babysitting three dogs, and I have one. So me and four dogs have been going on
0: walks. It's it's pretty intense. That's so fun. I wish I don't see any yet, but maybe they'll peep up, (laughs) say hi.
1: (laughs) I will. I will give them an
0: opportunity to say hello. Oh, love it. Yeah, no, I'm so excited that this is like unplanned but aligning so well. So many of the people that I work with, granted um, we work with a lot of like major corporations, but I have entrepreneurs that reach out or even friends that see what I'm doing with my marketing agency and with Action Mavens and they'll They'll kind of be like, well, I have a couple of these ideas, but I'm not really sure, and I'm not sure what to do and where to start, and so definitely we'll be passing that on to them, but I know for a fact that with all of these people that have come forward and shared that with me that we have you know, listeners that are in that spot right now, and they need that guidance, and generally it's really hard to find the support that you can get from a group like that. Um, and from classes like that, just from online, so many people get lost in diving into, you know, YouTube videos, or they get sucked into these crazy expensive courses. Um, yeah. Oh, you need to pay a hundred thousand dollars for blah 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 blah, or you're not serious in starting your business. And people are like, "This is my life savings," and then they do it, and it's just heart wrenching. Um, so I love the value that you're bringing to the table and the community that you're building and, and to really just touch on the fact that I personally am very guilty of it. I'm great at building our clients' brands, um, but I literally have a note on our Instagram page. I'm like, this is, our page is not priority right now because all of our clients are priority. And I know for a fact that anybody that didn't, hasn't gotten referred to us, you know, that looks negatively on our brand. And I hate being on camera and I know how to create content and I know exactly what to do, but I don't want to personally brand myself either. So we have that gap of, thankfully, we've been incredibly successful with word of mouth and and the way that we've gotten clients over the years um, and working with these major brands and having really successful results. I don't need that, you know, Big personal brand yet, but when I'm ready to scale and I want to go to that next level, then I have to get over my fear of being on camera and putting myself out there. <laughs> well, and and I do want to I do want to
1: say I mean it's not for everyone too, and we really do need to play to our strengths and 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 everyone doesn't need to be on every platform either, you know, and we can be intentional with the type of stuff that we create and for what purpose now you know, the company that I run, like a lot of people are like, what do you do? And sometimes I'm like, "I, I run a content marketing company because we really, all we do is create content. We create free content in our, across our social media and in our Facebook group and in these workshops. And then we also have paid content because we do have paid programs that individuals join for six months at a time or we work with corporations and they hire us to do entire leadership development programs for the organization over the course of like a year. And really, all we're doing is creating content, customizing content for them. And so, um, the, for the company, for the type of company that I run, our company brand does need to be creating content constantly because we're, we're a virtual business. And if we want to talk a little bit about, I don't know if you want to go in the direction of the business model, where you want to go next, but, um, but, I intentionally when when I finally figured it out it actually took me a while because when I first started my own company quote unquote after I got back from Bali right um I was just doing consulting and I was it was kind of like the hustle mode where you just take whatever you can get and I had some really awesome awesome clients and I was in a position where it was word of mouth and I wasn't having to really market anything and people were kind of calling me which was really cool But the danger of that for me at the time was I hadn't gotten clear enough on my vision and business strategy. So I was kind of just taking whatever I could get, which allowed me to survive. Yes. But after like a year and a half of doing that, I wanted to bang my head against the wall like over and over again, because personally for me, I want to build a company that scales. I want to be able to build a multi-million dollar company. I don't know how to scale a consulting business without increasing my hourly rate. It's really challenging. I mean, there's obviously consulting companies out there that scale, but I was like, this is not working. I'm literally creating, customizing something brand new every single time. There's no scalability. There is no product. Like, what am I doing? I was losing my mind. I was like, this sucks. And so I started researching how to productize your service. Cause I'm basically a service-based company. How do I productize this? Listen to a zillion and 700 podcasts, read all the books. Like, what do I got to do? And I'm like, I have to develop a program. Like if I actually do a service, I need to develop some sort of long-term program. And at first I thought I was going to build a course. Um, that kind of evolved. But when I realized the program, I'm like, well, if I love if I love this leadership stuff, I basically need to develop a leadership development training program. And I started outlining it. And then a contact of mine reached out who had been appointed to work in the Department of Energy in the federal government. And he was like, look, looks like you do leadership coaching. Like, I need help. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, we don't have team trust. We need cohesion. We need to develop emotional intelligence. And I'm like, well, it sounds like maybe your whole team needs help. So do you want to do a leadership development training program? And he's like, yeah, but everything is so expensive. And we just have a limited budget. And me being the entrepreneur that I was, I'm like, well, whatever you can afford, I'll do if you're willing to hire me. And he's like, okay, so what is your training? What is your program? Like, there I was. Telling him my outline that I hadn't actually built, and I literally upsold the entire thing. <laughs> and the federal government hired me, and I moved to Washington D.C. I just got—I—I I was living in D.C. for for a year, and they hired me to train their leaders and managers in a leadership development training program. That I actually ended up hiring a PhD level researcher, and I told you before I'm a total nerd researcher too. So between the two of us, I developed a. 10 session curriculum and leadership development training that's evidence and research based. Each of the sessions is like an hour long of content. And then there's a ton of extra development activities that people can do afterwards. And the approach that I have in training is really like, how can we make this um, interactive? How can we have small group breakout discussions, self-reflection questions, opportunities for introspection is really where a lot of the work gets done. So I ended up creating and delivering. As I was going, I was like riding the bike, building the bike as I was riding it, whatever you're saying, which I hands down, 100% recommend, totally recommend for people to upsell something and then build it as you go. Because too many times, people build out an entire thing, and they can't monetize it. And so this ensures that you're making the money. And you better bet if you have to deliver something to a client, you're going to get it done because you're like, okay, I got to fire. I got to fire. I got to like, get this thing done. So anyways, that was amazing. The federal government basically hired me to create what now is a program that I have brought to the larger marketplace. And then I had to kind of figure out, well, how do I commercialize this? So that's when I was doing the work, the, the studying of, do I want to build a course? Like, what does this look like? And I decided that instead of doing a course, because everybody has this idea, not everybody, but a lot of people have this idea. And if you're listening to me right now, you know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna build a course that's just gonna generate passive revenue that people are just gonna like take and I'm gonna get money from. You can do that if you have like hundreds of thousands of followers. If you have a big enough audience, you can sell a course for a super competitive price and make really good money on it. But if you're like me, maybe you have like 2,000 followers here, 4,000 connections there. Like I think maybe in total, I have 15,000 connections like across everything. And that's kind of probably above average, but it's not like influencer, major influencer status. If you're like me, you don't want to sell something at a low price point because you have to get way too many people to buy it. What you want to do is determine, and this is the secret, this is the secret ingredient to designing designing your life as an entrepreneur. First, it starts with what is the life that I truly want to live? What do I want to be doing on an everyday basis? Do I want to be showing up to an office? Do I want to have flexibility to travel? What does this look like? Do I have team members? Do I not? Am I doing virtual business? Am I not? Okay. How, How much money does it take for you to live on an annual basis with that lifestyle that you desire? Okay. How much money is that per month? all right, that's how much revenue that, I mean, and then you have to like, you know, realize as a service-based entrepreneur, 50% of the money is probably spent on expenses. Ideally, you're going to profit the other 50%, but then you have to look at taxes. You have to kind of like figure all those things in. You set the amount of money you need to make in an annual year. You divide that by 12, and then you know, every month you need to make X amount of dollars. And if you sold a thousand courses at a small number, yeah, you could get there. Or what if you sold five or six at a way higher price point of a product that offers more value that's longer term that will ultimately create revenue stability. And so that's why what I decided to do was the CX Labs program. It's this six-month virtual leadership development program where it's live I, I, I meet people four times a month for leadership development, one-on-one coaching, consulting and branding and marketing, um, communication practice. And if they miss it, it's recorded and in, in our learning management system and they can access it later on an app. So they're getting value because it's live. They're getting value because they can access it from anywhere. They're getting value because it's a group of people. So there's like this mastermind type experience. And as a company it's building revenue stability for me because people are paying me for 6 months at a time. They either pay all in one upfront for it or they pay on a monthly basis and 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 then you just have to decide how many times are you going to launch another cohort or group per year. My goal is to do 5 cohort launches per year and that alone should give me enough revenue to be able to run my company at the rate that it's going with the team members that I have. And then where my company really grows is in the work that we do with corporations. And so we work with corporations who are really aligned with kind of a lot of the values that we have already believe in emotional intelligence, already know that this stuff matters, already probably spending to an extent some money on their people, but they're looking for a long-term commitment to develop emotional intelligence, develop supportive and consultative leaders and key skills that we know are going to create psychological safety in a work environment that's ultimately going to lead to higher productivity, retention of employees, um, the ability to be adaptive and innovative, which is sort of what every for-profit and or nonprofit or any company really should want. So um, I'm really excited that I finally figured out how to move from, the long story short, and I'm so sorry because I'm so long-winded. No, I
0: just got excited because I saw the (laughs) doggy. Oh, Joe, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can't see, but oh, you are so cute. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Anyway, if you ever want to cut me off when I'm talking,
1: just give me no, a
0: no, no. I was, I was soaking it all in like a sponge. So I really studied. I will tell you. I mean, I
1: studied business models, like I studied leadership, and I figured out how to scale my company. And so when I first hired team members, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you first I had to I had to transition my mind from when I was doing consulting work, I was spending money when I made money. Then I had to move from I am going to spend money to make money. So that was another layer of risk that I hadn't really been willing to do before and I had to basically be like, "Hey, I am going to potentially run out of money if this doesn't work. But I've developed a strategy and I know exactly what I'm doing, who I'm serving, how I'm going to do it, how we differentiate. And if I don't believe in myself, then I shouldn't do this. But if I think that I actually have a good product and I can, then I'm going to go for it. And so I hired two people and um, put them to work. And I have this amazing team and we're virtual and um, different parts of the country. And we basically, I was like, look, I'm going to hire you in the first three months. We're going to launch this first program. We're going to see if we can get any sales. And the goal is to get this many in sales. And then after that, we're going to do another thing. And we went through it. We created all this content implemented. We exceeded our sales goal. And I'm like, this is amazing. And so right now the company looks like it's on a trajectory to, um, continue to scale. As we keep making this better and better, and continue to generate those clients that enter CX Labs, and then we also have a ton of interest every day. I have new corporations that are reaching out to me about wanting to wanting to hire my company, and so I'm kind of in a position, honestly, where I'm going to start putting just job descriptions out so that I can start collecting like good talent. So that when I'm when I'm eventually, we're going to need more people. So I'm going to have to start bringing on bringing on people because I can't do it all I just can't and I shouldn't I should no. be hanging out with Jojo yes. you know I be hanging <laughs> on Jojo more my cute little mini cockapoo for anyone mm. and she's also six months old so she's just a little baby <laughs> <laughs>
0: so cute yeah I think so so many so many people get lost in, in the spot of where do they start to hire and where do they start to go? And it gets nerve wracking because you're like, okay, this person is relying on me for income and stability and you have all this stress. And, and it's talked about a lot from everybody that I talk to, um, business owner, small business owners, obviously not massive corporations with big investors and, and all of that stuff. But when you're looking at, you know, getting that first employee and scaling up to five and scaling up to 10 and going up from there, it can be really scary and nerve wracking. And being able to have someone that that can help kind of guide you on when is the proper timing is really important. I had no idea. When I started my marketing agency, it was just me. I landed on it pretty much unexpectedly. And I very quickly learned that I needed to bring in other experts to be able to fill the gaps in our service-based business. So I was like, okay, I'm really good at social media. It's 2014. Nobody's really advertising yet on Facebook. Like I'm, I'm really great at this. I love branding, but I can't. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a photographer. I can't, you know, create this content for my clients. I'm not going to walk in there and, you know, pretend that I can take photos for them and uh, build websites. I don't have that background. I don't have that capability. And I didn't want to do that. I knew that that was not something that I wanted to spend my time on. And so um, I took the leap and I was like, okay, I'm going to baby step into this. So instead of hiring someone full-time, I'm going to find a contractor. We're going to do a contract and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how much it is per, you know, these particular projects. And this is what the contract essentially looks like. And we started moving in that direction. And once I made that leap of growing past just me, that's when I really started to sign the big clients. Like I was working on projects in collaboration with Coca-Cola. I worked on um, projects in collaboration with Kawasaki, Lifetime Fitness. And I was like, okay, this is like, I would have never been able to pull this off if it was just me. And um, that team is really what like helped me and catapulted me. And then also being able to have that inner community without having to go into an office every day we were remote too I made sure that from the beginning anybody that worked on our team was remote and if they wanted to work in Bali let's say from their computer then they could as long as you know you meet your deadlines and I'm happy and um, I'm really hoping that that's the way that the world starts to transition. Um, I know a lot of people, the the great resignation is going on right now. And I think it's very empowering and ins- inspiring. But I also do think that a lot of people are doing it unplanned. And um, there are really great opportunities for people that want to come work for businesses like yours, where they can work remote um, under a very passionate fun leader, um, and not have that corporate lifestyle anymore. Yeah. That's an amazing,
1: you're totally spot on. And I agree with you. If you're looking to hire your first person, do a 90 day contract, do a three month contract. Don't worry. Don't try to do payroll, put them on 1099, um, come up with goals that you want projects and goals that you want them to achieve. And really it's an opportunity for it to be a two way street to, feel like if it's the right fit, you know, and I think that it's brilliant. And the other thing that I'll say is any entrepreneur, probably if you're looking at like, why can't I scale? You probably aren't offloading like 30 different things that someone could do at a way lower price point than you. And there is just stuff that gets in your day to day way that I I mean, hiring a virtual assistant, game changer. So, and it's hard to let go of that kind of stuff. But if you're really looking at wanting to grow a company, it's all about delegating. Yeah. And I read this article today that was like, the title was like, give away your Legos to scale the company or whatever. And it was just saying like, all these companies that are, you know, acquiring new ones, mergers merger and acquisitions, here comes on another new hundred po- employees. If you get to that, when you're a little kid and you're playing with other people that have Legos and someone takes your Lego, you're crying, you're upset. Don't take my Legos, but the truth is, um, you, the more quickly you can actually let someone have your Legos and start working on another project over here in a company, the more that the company is going to grow and innovate. And there's just so much fear around and scarcity around. Someone's taking my job because this person's here. No, no, no. We need we need you to do your job and or something else, or we need you to do this other aspect of the company. And so um, I don't even know how that related to what we were just saying, but. Um, scaling a company. I mean, delegation, you need to be willing to give away your Legos. There it goes. Yep.
0: There it goes. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think, um, Jimena, actually, we had her on a previous podcast. She had mentioned a book that she read, um, where you're supposed to write down like all the tasks that you do. And I'm probably going to total, totally butcher this, but there's a way where you write down all your daily tasks and how much that task is really worth. Right. And if that's not worth what your number is, then you shouldn't be doing those tasks. So let's say you're two fifty an hour and all these tasks are email responses and like this kind of stuff. And that's really only worth $15 an hour, or whatever you set that goal at. Like you shouldn't really be doing any of those tasks. And that's your your big sign. And I think that from what I hear is feedback from um, you know, just friends, because I'm not a consultant. We just run a marketing agency, but right they'll share things with me. And, um, something that I hear frequently is that they don't want to let go of the income that they, you know, they're like almost hoarding on to the income too. In addition to being scared of making sure that they have that consistency for somebody else, but they also don't want to let go of that extra money. And it's, it's the, the limit limiting, um, thought process of, totally i mean it's it's
1: kind of like what are your goals are you are your goals to make more money and grow your company or do you really just are you feeling out of balance because i think it's usually one of those it's like i'm i have too much on my plate or i'm overworked or whatever and you know there's a cost for that and you have to prioritize what matters and um, absolutely. If someone's taking that menial stuff off your plate, that takes a long time, that is pretty important. That is an opportunity to make more money, to put that time that you're not spending into something else. Or maybe it's just an opportunity to go and practice yoga more regularly and feel more whole and healthy. And that might actually grow your business in and of
0: itself. Yeah. I remember the first time, oh man, I did not want to go on vacation because I was so nervous. I had my team, like I, I had my trusted people to to do everything. And I know that they could do it without me, but they hadn't done it without me yet at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, we were taking off on on a camping trip and I knew I wasn't going to have any self-service out there. And I was like, oh, so, it was so, it was, it, I was so nervous about it, but I came back like a new person and it mm-hmm. was just validation that I can continue to grow and I can continue to trust people and I can take that me time that is so needed. And, and, and it, it gives you this whole new perspective where when you're not working, um, what's that, what's that saying? You're not working on your, for your business, you're working on your business. So you're not actually, when you can kind of step out and have this, out of body per se um, business experience, then then you have a different outlook too, which I think speaks volumes when you can learn how to scale.
1: I am not, I am, I am not there yet. I just have to like wear different hats all day, and it's like I am in the vision business business strategy hat. I am in the um, service delivery, actually creating the lesson plans that I deliver to my clients hat, and then there's the I am selling hat, which are all different things, you know, and it's very exhausting. And I'm I'm so excited for the company to get to a point where I can work on the business and not necessarily in the business. Yes, contribute at times and, and continue to deliver value. But I really just want to, I just want to run a company and have an amazing team and um, develop people. And I want to give people a great job and a place that they love working, you know?
0: Yeah. I saw your listing recently on social media and I was like, oh, Yay, I love watching you grow. We're hiring
1: an intern. We're hiring an intern right now. And we like to just regularly have an intern. We think it's a great, it's great for us. It's great for them. Um, And I'll probably be posting soon about, um, I know I'm going to need to hire a new coach, a business coach, and really need someone particular because I need someone who not only can do leadership development coaching, um, but they can also do business coaching because a lot of the people that are attracted to my programs are people who um, are entrepreneurs or wanting to be an entrepreneur. And so therefore, they sort of need to understand branding and marketing just a little bit. So it's kind of a combination. It needs to be someone that can really speak to both those things. So I'm going to be putting something out there because I think I'm going to anticipate to need someone by the time February 1st rolls around. So Yes. Putting it out there in the world. Amazing. <laughs> nice coach. Whoever you know. Yeah. bring them. <laughs> yes. So anyway, it's been, it's been such a good journey. And thank you for giving me a platform to talk. Like I, I feel like I'm sometimes I, I often, cause I teach about communication and listening all the time. And I always joke that like, it's my biggest area for improvement because I'm like love talking and listening, you know, so I, you've been such a good listener and thank you. And I feel very heard by you today.
0: Yay. Well, that's the point where you're our guest and, and it's meant for you to spend all this time sharing so people can learn from you and learn more about you and, um, you know, apply what we talked about today to their life experiences to potentially, you know, save them time and energy from not making mistakes that other people make. So with that, I'd love to ask you, what's one thing that you wish you knew before you started your business?
1: I'm still here. I'm just listening. Um, God, I have so many, I have so, so many. Um, this one's like more like practical and, um, In the first year of starting my business, I probably spent like $15,000 on building a custom website, getting professional photography, hiring content experts to make sure that my website content was perfect, building out, you know, blogs um, that I could write and everything from business cards to outfits. I was well branded and it was like the wrong approach for someone just starting out because I didn't really fully have my business strategy dialed in. And what I could have spent my money on instead was just, I could have just made like a really basic um, template website that honestly sometimes look just as great. And they're simple. Could have spent not nearly as much money doing that and put more of those dollars. Once I knew my business strategy into developing sales funnels into developing the exact type of content marketing for a target audience. And once in my first year, I launched the website and I started blogging, but and putting out a newsletter, but I wasn't looking at click throughs and I didn't have follow up messaging and there wasn't lead capture and I mean, if you're trying to run a company, you're obviously trying to make money. You need to focus on sales first, not spending a ton of money. I, I personally don't feel like anyone needs a ten to $12,000 custom website if you're like just getting started. I mean, and you might not agree with that, but I just... You really might not, but I just feel like it was not a good
0: use of my startup cash in the beginning. So to touch on that, again... Everybody knows, I'm sure by now I own a marketing agency in addition to launching Action Mavens and that's a big part of why I am so passionate about Action Mavens is cuz I've watched so many people throw their money into the wrong things and I don't want to see that happen. Like I'm so happy to design an insanely expensive website for a franchise restaurant. Um but even then, they'll come back to me and they'll be like, oh, we really only have this amount. And we're like, OK, let's make it happen. We'll make it work. But they knew what their budget was. And so with Action Mavens, it's like, hey, we need to go. You guys really need to follow these very particular steps. And here's how to do it really cheap. Like, here's how you should be doing it really cheap. If you're coming to this course um, and downloading this free checklist. Like, no offense, you're probably not working with, like, really expensive I probably don't have a massive budget, right?
1: Yeah, like, yeah. If you're bootstrapping, and I think this was like, what I, What did I learn in my, what do I wish I knew? I, I was bootstrapping for the first, I mean, we're finally at a point right now where we have recurring revenue, we're scaling the company. For the first like two years, you know, or whatever, I was just bootstrapping it, you know? I was spending money when I was making money and then I started going into that, I'm going to spend money to make money, which now we're making money, but like, I did not need to, I needed to do minimum viable product, like on certain things. And I could have spent my money in so many different other areas, you know? And so, um, I didn't know, I mean, and branding, branding and marketing was important to me. I really wanted, I felt like it really mattered. I needed it to be awesome. And I think part, partly that might've been like a little bit of a defense mechanism for being fearful about what I was to the risk of entrepreneurship. But at the end of the day, Initially I could have done with like a super basic website, maybe only like maybe one just one a one pager and focused on getting emails, sending newsletters that actually captured leads and being clear on exactly what I'd sell and just focusing on lead on lead capture. But even then in the beginning I probably wouldn't have been able to do it because I hadn't gotten clear on exactly the product and service I was offering. And so there's no reason to rush in terms of branding. Uh, marketing, building out your website if you haven't gotten super clear on what you're
0: offering. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that I hear. I, You don't need this crazy full business plan if you're not seeking investors and trying to get loans and all this stuff, but you do need to spend the time to sit down to figure out What's your offer? Are people willing to pay for it? Is the demographic there? Confirming that that idea is viable and then launching your MVP to your point and being able to log in and go, okay, how do I make a WordPress website myself? Okay. I'm going to go to theme forest. Okay. I'm going to download a 50, dollars theme. Okay. I'm going to pay the $50 to have them install it. So I don't have to worry about it. And then I'm going to log in. And for all the people that know MySpace, really easily, just like, you know, update some things and 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 launch with it and see how you can go and I am a big big advocate for proper branding. Um, it does speak volumes. Um, as you as you scale and you grow it and to your point with the content and all that stuff like if you have a logo f- from canva and you have pictures that are pixelated and and they're ju- you know it does make a big difference there is you know people are are judgmental beings and a lot of the time if they're presented with you know something that's very well put together and pretty and professional and something that kind of looks like it got thrown together that they're not always willing to pay as much money. Um, but there's so much more to it than it's not black and white. It's really not. And, and it also depends on
1: who your audience is. I mean, like if your if your price point is you're going luxury, then yeah, like you probably do want to look like your brand needs to like look luxury, you know, but, um, but I do think with anyone, um, the, really the first step is getting clear on what exactly your business strategy is you know what do you offer who are you serving how do you do it i mean is there really a market for this that kind of stuff really matters and it took a while i mean i had to kind of hustle a little bit do that consulting work to really kind of realize and i told you the story that i don't really want to do this i want to scale this company and I want it to be virtual and I need to have a program and bam, presto change <laughs> Finally in like the sweet spot, you know, I mean, obviously it's still, entrepreneurship is always kind of a little bit of a grind, but again, if you're choosing a path that you're actually, you're absolutely passionate about, then you never work a day in, day in your life. Yeah,
0: it, it, can, it can get dangerous, you guys. Like for those of you who have not started it yet, when you're in something that you love you will blink and the whole day is over and it doesn't feel like work. And you're just like, wow, how did that happen? That was amazing. But oh my gosh, I should probably go do my yoga practice or something for me, you know, finding that balance.
1: Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. I, I definitely, I have to be careful because I'll, I'm like one of those people that sometimes I just, because when you're a creator, when you're kind of a create, when you're a creator, sometimes you're just not in the space to create and you have to rest or you need to go outside or go talk to a human that thinks completely different than you. Something, you know, something to rejuvenate your creator, um, your ability to create. And, but then there's times where I just get in the flow and it's like one or two in the morning and I just let myself go because I'm like, all right, I'm going to flow. Like I just, that's been happening to me every night for the last two nights. So <laughs> I well, I don't know when if there's a crash coming. But I've definitely been in flow for um, for a couple days straight, so it's a good so, feeling, it's exciting and exhilarating. But um, last night I posted on my Instagram story like a, a picture of this slide deck that I'm working on, and I was like just hanging out with my boo, like I am single, working on a slide deck at eleven p.m. at night, and obviously I was just joking, um, but. Yeah, I'm, like, sort of in a relationship with my work a little bit right
0: now. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. that so well. Um, especially when I first started. I'm, like, okay, it's, like, 2 a.m. It's Friday night. It's Saturday night. Like, I'm <laughs> literally dating my computer. I'm,
1: like, what are you doing tonight? And I'm, like, <laughs> working on a slide
0: deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's literally my life.
1: I'm not lying. Um, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I am going on a date on Friday. Woo-hoo. I'm going on a date. So I'm going to be in Vegas, by the way. Nice. So, yeah, I'm fun. going on a date. going to go on a date on Friday, getting out there. Yeah. I feel like these are good things. These That's are great crazy.
0: things to do. Yeah, no, it's the energy is all there. And you've got this amazing, um, business and and course and all this stuff on your trajectory and I, I am so excited to continue to follow everything that you've been up to and um, I'm so appreciative of everything that you had to share and the value that you gave everybody today. Um, so with that I'll leave everyone with any last things that you want to mention. We do have all your links in the bio to the podcast so they can visit your website and um, we've got your Instagram link and your Facebook group link in there that they can click on. They can literally find
1: everything. But yeah, KylieRoe.com, that'll lead you to our next cohort of CX Labs, which starts November 1st. So if anybody hears this and they're like, I don't know, I want to hear more about it, then figure out a way to email me or DM me. And you can just get on my calendar and we can chat for 15 minutes. Um, or if you just want to try it out for free and see what it's all like, join our three-day workshop the week prior, October 25 through 27. And, um, it's going to be awesome. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this one because I think it's going to be, it's going to be better. It's, it's, it's getting, the iterations are getting better, but thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. And, um, I want to continue to support you and share your stuff. And so let's, Stay in the flow.